Welcome to the Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset with me, Johnny Pardo. Welcome back to the Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset podcast, me, Johnny Pardo. Today, I welcome my good friend, Robbo, to the show, where we're going to be talking about self-confidence in teenagers and adults. So, Welcome to the show, Robbo. Uh, Robbo is um, a teacher and he's very, very passionate about helping people develop their confidence. Me and Robbo play football together as well uh, in a great team. Uh, great lad. So, yeah, Robbo, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about what actually uh, inspires you so much to talk about this this subject. Uh, inspire me to talk about this subject? What? I've been wanting to come on your podcast for ages, Johnny, because <laughs> you, you put so much, I know how much time and energy you put into this. And I know you do it from a good place where you want to help people grow. So I've wanted to do whatever I can to help you do that. This topic, confidence, is because I see, I see people grow from the age of, I'm a secondary school teacher, from the age of 11 up to 16. And I see them either make it in their own mind and achieve what they want to achieve at 16 or not. And that for me is a metaphor for when adults get into that situation, when they are trying to learn something, trying to achieve something, and whether they do achieve their goals or don't achieve their goals, the way that they approach those goals, the way that they respond to setbacks, and the way their confidence is going to waver along the way. I see this journey in young people over the course of five years, and I just think it's a metaphor for life, especially I'm a maths teacher, and maths is the one that you you get your confidence knocked a lot and you just that's just that's life you get your confidence knocked a lot in mm. life and the things that I see kids the behaviors I see kids model that fly versus the behaviors that I see kids model that don't fly and by behaviors I don't mean kids being naughty and throwing a rubber across the classroom I mean your your learning behavior your your response to a knock um I think it's the same in, you know, you and I play sport together. It's the same in sport, whether you're trying to get good at sport, whether you're trying to get good at maths, whether you're trying to get good in your career. Those messages are, I don't think they're rocket science. And I think they can be learned. So, you know, the opportunities to, to, to talk to you in front of your audience and see if any adults out there pick up the message would be, you know, I, just, I just want to see people grow, whether they're young people, whether they're adults. Mm. Love it, Robbo. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it's totally like transferable in my like my opinion as well. Like you see, you see a lot of people like get that again, they get like not get their confidence knocked in a certain situation or given situation like in mass or, or whatever. I'm I'm one of those weirdos who actually like mass at school as well. So it's like yeah. Uh so that's yeah, that's interesting. But yeah. Um, like it. Out of interest, why did you like it? I liked it because I'm very left-brained and I'm very like, um, I like to know the answer to something. So I'm always like, I've got to know the answer to something. And I was very good at like working out strategically, like what are the right numbers? And also it's like, I always, I kind of always, like I'd always come up with the answer. And also one of my best friends at school was like, he was doing like A-levels when he was like GCSE, not like I copied him or anything like that, but like, but anyway, <laughs> it was quite, yeah, it's quite interesting. You were inspired by a friend. I see that. I see that a lot. Inspired by a friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, so like Robbo, like if we like just going going back to uh, you know, when sometimes our confidence is knocked and we get like a setback a little bit, like you you probably see that a lot in like uh with your students or like maybe like day-to-day in general as well, when like something's like knocked them back. Like, what's the what's the thing that gets like people back up again and like you see that allows them to keep going and like they when they've had a setback they can get going again? When they've had a setback and can get going again. But <clears throat> for some people it's a it's a fearlessness. Some some students are just utterly fearless and they they just throw something out there and it's wrong and they throw a further thing out there and it's wrong and a further thing out there. That mindset of every wrong is closer to a right. If I try everything, like you, you mentioned, like the logical way that maths works, if I try everything, eventually I will land at the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that reviewing... They, they interrogate their answer. What That's not right. What's not right about it? And what do we need to tweak to make it right? Which, you know, for any of your listeners who are in a, a pickle in their careers, for example, that, in, that level of interrogation, what's not quite right here? What is it that needs to change? You know, what, what is right about what I'm doing here? What is not quite right about what I'm doing here? What do I need to change? There's, there's that level. But that fearlessness, I think, comes from a place of success. And it's <clears throat> it's interesting. You see this, the students like, you know, I imagine like you and your friend were at school, you experience success. And then when you have a net knockback, you are willing to go again because your experience is generally one of success. And mm-hmm. um, you'll have to go to a, a, a finer professor than I to find out what is the point where someone's had so many knocks that they can't go again. They've lost that will mm, to try again. Um, the, the students that I'm most pleased, you know, you get students who get a, a grade nine, a grade eight, which is AA star back from our day. The grade eights, the grade nine students, they've kind of, they've come from a level of success. They haven't come from nowhere. And then all of a sudden wallop, off you go, there's my grade eight, grade nine. They've experienced, they come to secondary school, they're a level of success already, and that success continues because they're fueled by past success. It's the students at the other end of the data scale. When I look at them <clears throat> when they're 11 years old and they come in and their, their data is at the very bottom, you see some people who stay near the very bottom. You see some people who really climb. And the only thing I can attribute that to is sheer will. It's just, I don't care how many times you knock me, I am going to go again because this has to be done and I'm going to do it. They, they employ an awful lot of things along the way, just sheer hard work. Um, they get every revision book under the sun and specifically do intelligent things like what are the things I'm weak at? Right, I'm doing that page tonight, that page tomorrow, that page the day after. They constantly ask the teachers extra questions. Now, I, can, I, I can't name this student, but it's from this cohort um, in May, June, who was not projected at any point to pass mathematics and her data from primary school would not suggest she's going to join a group of people who pass mathematics but she passed Mm. she passed because every single opportunity we gave her as a student to revise she was there Mm -hmm. she asked so many questions just 
what can I do differently? Um, why is that not right? She interrogated everything and the drive and determination that there was there was and in the end there was no stopping her because she had gone down every single route whether it was success or not that she'd learned which routes led to success and this is just hours and hours and hours of endeavor and seeking that feedback and that willingness to explore you get some students in her position who have experienced those knockbacks so often that they are deflated and they can't go again. I, I think, you know, you don't want me on the podcast. You want this girl because you'd need to ask her. You just, you wouldn't give in. You, you, everything was against you. Your data was against you. Your target, your projected grade was against you. Yet you would not accept that. You went, I, I'm, I'm going to try everything. And, you know, she gets there in the end. It's, she, she's the inspirational one to me, not the students who get the eights and the nines, the ones who um, yeah, experience a lot of failure and just mm. do not lose that will, that drive, that sheer determination. I am getting there. I think that's that's a huge thing for, for students. And you, know, you, you experience that as adults. We get knocks all the time and you can get deflated, you can get down, or you can just go, there is no choice but forward. I have to do this. I have to keep going. I have to keep interrogating. I have to keep responding to feedback. I'm going to get there eventually, but it's difficult, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. Love that example of the uh, the student you'd work. You know, you you were describing there. For you, like, I don't don't know, like, if if it's something that you've experienced or even talking to these individuals, you know, not the ones who had like been on this momentum of getting these good grades and everything like that. But do you find like, there's like a really, there's a strong why or a strong drive behind some of these students who like the, the odds are against them yet. They seem to do well. Um, I think it's, a bit, a bit of it comes from goal setting because you're, you know, we, we set as adults, we set ourselves goals. We wake up on the 1st of January, I'm going to achieve this this year, etc. cetera, or um, this month. Go to I've the gym, to... yeah. <laughs> Pardon? Go to the gym, I said, yeah, the classic one. <laughs> classic, but, you know, it, it's, it's, that's too vague. Go mm. to the gym is too vague. Go to the gym yes. for what? Where do you want to get to? What's the point in going to the gym? Are you, are you trying to improve your ability to squat? Are you trying to improve your ability to cycle? Um, the, the kids who get there have a very targeted goal and that goal is where do I want to go because when you're 16 if you have not passed maths and English your where do I go is incredibly limited if you pass maths and English to a certain level you can go here if you pass if you pass it you can go in lots of places if you don't pass it you're not oh, it's, it's it's really you, you have to just keep resitting it and it really limits what you can do when you go to college and um, it limits your apprenticeship options, et cetera, et cetera. It's, um, it's the kids with a really clear goal that won't take their eyes off that goal. I, I have to get there. That's my drive. There is no other option. Well, there is the other option. I can do that. But that, that path is dark and I don't want to go down there. I have to go that way. I've got to get onto this course because that course is me. I'm going to love that. They've got a... They've got a clear end in mind and they won't let it go. That's the, that's the difference. They're, they're, they're willing to overcome all these knocks because they, they are so determined to get to that point of, I can go to this institution to do that course as long as I get these grades. So 
you know, take that to your person at the gym in the first, in the first of January, be just wandering around the gym, touching whatever equipment you feel like touching, or have you, have you got a goal in mind that's actually going to, you know, just, I, th I think at the same time as getting that gym membership on the first of January, you put yourself in for a half marathon on the first of July, because then the goal ain't moving and you've got to keep going to that gym to do something, you know? Yeah. I love that. Getting really specific. Um, and honestly, Robert, I think a lot of us, uh, I talked to a lot of people on obviously on the podcast and it's, uh, I think a challenge, including one of my mentors, I have the privilege of working for, but he, um, he talks a lot about like, we, we say what we don't want. Like, I don't want this. I don't want to like fail this, but it's like, what do you want? And being really specific. So, um, I love what you said there about actually, um, them being like really clear and this can apply to like adults as well. Like why are you going to the gym for? And yeah, I'm training for this half marathon on the 1st of July or, or whatever you're moving towards. Um, one of the challenges, not just as teenagers, but as adults as well, um, that I typically talk to people about, and I know it's been the case in my life is, um, comparison, um, and actually, you know, maybe it's a student comparing themselves to another or a student just like thinking, oh, so-and-so seems so great. Um, is, is comparison something you, you come across a lot in, uh, in your world and a bit of a challenge? It's a huge problem and it, it, it frames people's mindsets in all sorts of ways. I mean, the, there's a couple of things that immediately spring to mind. Um, one is, one is in the realm of mathematics, one is in the realm of their social lives and their social media. Mm. And in the, in the frame of mathematics, we, we as educators, there's a, there's a huge debate going on in the background. There's an astonishing amount of people working in the background of the education system, trying to make it as good as it can possibly be. And the big debate amongst um, way more qualified people than I is, should we set in mathematics or should we not set in mathematics? So, the second I put you in set um, six of 10, you have a, a frame in your head of where you are by comparison to your peers. I am, okay, I'm, I'm not near the top. If I put you, Lord forbid, I put you in set nine of 10 or 10 of 10, that, that's a label and that label can do all sorts to your mindset. It's the kids that ignore that label and go, I can be anything. You're putting me there now. I'm going to show you. Mm. I'm going to prove. You. So you know, think of the you know we there there is no adult out there who hasn't applied for that promotion and not got it, and applied again and not got it. And you can you can say to yourself at that point, okay, this is my level. This is my label. I am what I am, and I'm stuck. Or try a different route. <laughs> Have you interrogated every single route? Because you you can accept it. Or you can just go, no, no, nah, that's not me. That label that you're putting on me, I'm bigger than that, I'm better than that. I'm going to find a way around it. And that comes back to that, that will, that drive, that determination. But at the starting point, and for too many kids, it follows through that when we put you in that group, you label yourself and you, you have a very fixed mindset about this is what's going to happen because this is where I have been placed. So that, that comparison, as soon as we do that, well, I'm not the best in maths. In fact, I'm quite the other end of the scale. It's quite a sad, it's quite a sad, yeah, it's it's the, the, the kids in those lower classes who just 
ignore the label and go for it and arrive to class with the attitude I'm going for this today I'm going to be the best I can be that is what we're meant to do today I'm going to do it and I'm going to ask for more because I want to get higher than this I want to go higher than this they're the ones who are the real heroes um I think comparing for many of those kids comparing Compare yourself to your peers. If you're if you're in one of those lower sets, comparing yourself to your peers is a painful experience because you you know you are statistically less able than them at mathematics. So that comparison doesn't do you any good. Comparing yourself to yourself is the most powerful thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And when you get a test paper back in maths, there's thirty people getting a test paper back, and everybody's going, "Oh, I got a grade this, I got a grade that, I got a grade that," and you're sat there with your grade and you're listening to all this. Don't listen. It mm. is irrelevant. Like, stop listening to everything out there and listen to yourself. Where was I? Where am I now? Am I going in the right direction? That might be a yes, that might be a no. What are you going to do about that? If you're not going anywhere, you need to change something. If you are going in the right direction, huge kudos. Well done. You compare yourself to yourself and then your target. Where do I need to get to? If I've got from that modest level to a slightly improved level and I need to get to there, am I going in the right direction for me and where I where I was, where I am, where I'm going to? When you listen to the, the external noise, it's noisy and it's not always positive. So compare yourself to yourself would be the message. Well, it is the message I give to students all the time. Um, I often say when I give back test papers, I don't care what you've got. Some of you might have 19%. Some of you might have 90%. I just don't care. What I care about is your response. That's all I care about. If you've got 90%, where's that extra 10%? If you've got 19%, are you willing to try again? Because I guarantee you, if you try again, I've given you the 20 questions. I've given you 20 wrong answers. You need to think about why is that wrong and what might I do differently? I guarantee you, if you try those questions again, the ones you've got wrong, I guarantee your mark goes to 30 to 40 to 50%. You know, it's all about that response rather than the comparison. And oh, I'm, I've, I'm not there because of, uh, because I'm so far behind my peers. Hmm. I love that. I love that. And um, yeah, uh, one of my mentors, he, he says, actually, um, self to self for your progress and then self to others, for possibility, which I think is really good because often we like, we look at someone else and we think self to someone else to look at my progress. It's like, oh, they're so far ahead of me and all these kind of things. But actually when you look at someone else, it's actually, if they're doing well, it's like, oh, that's possible for me as well. But actually then you can look at your own journey and actually see your own progress. So yeah, I love that. And actually, yeah, being honest yourself, having those conversations like, is this what I wanted? Is this not like, where am I on the journey? So yeah, I've, I've, and I think like, not just like obviously the the kids or teenagers you work with, but I think it's a general uh, challenging thing with it in the social media world as well uh, that we live in. Um, yeah. Like Robbo, obviously as, um, obviously as a, as a teacher, as, as someone up there, like, do you ever get, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show and I know like whether it's your experience or like another teacher's experience, have you ever like, you know, encountered someone with this like almost imposter syndrome or kind of like these doubts, am I worthy of leading these kids? And 
what kind of separates those who are able to move through it from those who aren't? Uh, <clears throat> again, I can only give you an opinion on this. You'll have to talk yeah, to way more qualified people. Yeah, of course. This thing, but I see this a, a lot. We've got a tragedy in, in education at the minute that one in um, one in three new teachers aren't there within five years mm. because you, you have this idea of what teaching is and what you could bring to it and this this hope for what you could give to loads of young people across the nation and then you get there and it's really really hard it's really hard and you stand in front of a class for the first time and wow is that weird it's beyond weird and then you get um a couple of years into your career you've got to stand in front of that class for four or five hours every single day and that could be 30 teenagers at 9am 30 teenagers at 10am yeah by the time you've got to five lots of 30 teenagers you've stood in front of 130 kids uh, 150 kids so there is no way even for somebody who's been in it 16 years to be I am fully in control of all of this I have no anxiety I can present this mathematical idea to you 30 and then present this mathematical idea to you 30 and then this and you can't you can't be in full control of everyone throughout the entire day you're going to feel an anxiety and you're going to feel an anxiety because um you might not have that confidence at that specific thing in that it might not be your specific thing I'm great at these four areas I'm not so great at that area and I've got to teach that to these really able kids ouch that's going to be difficult they're, you know, they're definitely, it's only a matter of time before they overtake me in terms of academic ability. I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I've got to try and teach this thing to them. And it can, it can really knock your esteem. And then the other one is just that they're, they're teenagers. They're awesome and hilarious and so like malleable in a joyous way. But they are, especially the puberty years. <laughs> <laughs> boundaries let's push them let's test them you are constantly tested all day every day so you, that anxiety even when you when you start it it, it is truly anxiety um it, it really really is a a deep anxiety but when you get to my stage it's just we're not we're not 100 percent great every day you wake up some days and you're like just i've not got my usual energy today mm. they're gonna bring a load of energy can I, you know, can I match it? Can I be it? So you, you can't escape this anxiety with what you have to do. I think the difference is it's letting it get the better of you or it's, it's projecting it, I think, is the danger. If you, if you project that anxiety externally, people can see it. And there's lots of ways you can project anxiety. One of the things I say to um, new trainees all the time is uh, are you have you ever videoed yourself at the front of the lesson I'm not I'm not saying video the whole class I'm just saying put a video camera on that front desk pointed at you and look at yourself how are you standing like are you are you are you like that are you backing away from the young people or are you right there nice and relaxed just projecting confidence and that can make a massive difference because when I'm not feeling it, when I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety, what I have to consciously, and this is the problem because it's conscious, unconscious, you don't know you're doing it. I have to recognize that anxiety and go, I'm not to project it. They will not believe me. This group of very, very able, 
A-level students, year 13, doing that complex bit of mathematics. I have worked so hard to master it on a Sunday to present it to them on a Monday, and I'm anxious about doing so. I can't let that anxiety project because then I'm not credible. And worse still, if I let that anxiety project, it will engulf me. My anxiety will just continue to engulf me. I have to just remain calm, project confidence, because my confidence in my physical projection will lead to a confidence in them. If I've, I've really worked on this is how I'm going to present it, and then I present myself confidently, it just flows more confidently. And I think that's the difference when the teachers who sadly don't make it one in three within five years can't quite project that confidence and that you know, the, the way that those 30 teenagers in front of them react is based on how you project yourself. You know, that's the, the, you read all sorts of stuff on this. It's 6% mm. of what we say is verbal, 78% of what we say is body language, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, it's, it's being able to control that latter element, the body language and project it. There's a lot of research which suggests your body language can actually impact your, um, your inner feeling. If you, they, there are tests where they've sent students into exam halls and they've asked one group just to sit there and think about what they're about to do. They've asked the other group to get on their feet, stand there and go. Power pose, yeah. Hmm. And then they walk in the hall and they produce. It's, there's really funny things that are working in the background of us in terms of human behaviour. And it can be harnessed or quite the opposite. It can really do you in. Yeah. Yeah, no, love that um is there is like for you is there like a point of i don't know like but maybe in like your earlier days as teaching and stuff but is is there a point that you kind of like reflect on like how you're feeling and sit with yourself at all or is is, is that something you do like just just do general reflections on how the day went and things like that just be interested in know. General reflections on how the day went or general reflections on how I'm feeling. I mean, they're two. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Good challenge. Um, so, yeah, I'd say like, I would say that it's more about, uh, you know, how you're feeling like after a day or it, particularly if it's a challenging day. So I think the, the, the challenging days are due to... Um, it's it's largely yeah I can only talk from my personal experience it's the the number of interactions you have as a teacher mm. um the negative days are the ones where the interactions turn negative for whatever I am trying to get these young people to be the best they can be to believe that they can be the best they can be and to really put the heart and soul into that but it doesn't always go to plan and then you have to be at your like most patient and positive to try and help young people lift themselves the highest place they can be but it, it doesn't always go perfectly so you've always it's when it goes a little awry that's when I stopped it that's what makes me feel because that, that is my goal you know my goal is to help these kids be brilliant and I can't do it with negative interactions so there's negative interactions that and that drain me and leave me feeling like I failed at the end of a day I make sure I have a good think about them, a reflection on where did it come from? 
did I, did I, what did I do to fuel that? Because like, it's very easy to go, the kids fall. You should have seen them. Kids fall. Uh, I, can, I can do something. There is no way the amount of baggage that people have, the amount of baggage that some teenagers can have, because I don't know where they've come from. I don't know what's happened in their day so far. I don't know what's happening in their lives outside of school. We get certain feedback, but we don't get everything. So if somebody's come in a little bit antagonistic, what have I done to fuel that? What haven't I done to enable them to use some calming, controlling mechanisms on themselves? So I, if I feel like I've not succeeded in a day because of interactions, I'm going to, I'm going to research those myself, reflect what, what is it I could have done differently? Is there something I did that was really negative that I probably need to go and have a conversation with that kid about tomorrow and say, do you know what? That was too quick to give you three warnings and send you out, etc. What I should have done is this, this, this. Apologies on my part. And if I'm honest like that, the kid will be honest back. And then we start to build that mutual respect. Um, the, the other thing is the shutting it off once you've reflected. Because I think the reason it gets overwhelming, and this will be where you know one in three teachers leaving within five years is because mm. it gets overwhelming. And that'll be why a lot of people in other careers start to feel they're not succeeding because those, those negatives are becoming overwhelming. They're not recognizing their successes. They're dwelling too much on the negatives. And I think it just, you know, I've not come on to big myself up in any way, but I think the thing I'm good at is if that hasn't gone well, I'm going to try and analyze why it's not gone well. And I'm going to park it. And I'm going to say, what, what did go well today? Like what was successful? Yeah, I had three great lessons. I had one okay one and I had one really bad one. So I'll dwell on the really bad one for about five or 10 minutes and then I'll park it. I'll decide what I need to do tomorrow to make that better or to make it right, to make amends, to talk to a kid, etc. Then I'm parking it. And I'm going to grab like two or three thoughts of what went really well today, park those, implant those and leave them there all night because I can't, I can't leave myself in a negative cycle. I can't leave myself talking to myself negatively and feeling like a failure. There is no way I'm going to succeed at everything all day, every day. Mm. But I'm going to walk away with successful thoughts because there's no way I've failed at everything that day either. And I think I'm quite good at regulating myself like that. And the teachers who survive are quite good at doing that, taking that and parking it. It's not, you're not welcome overnight, you negative thoughts. You're not welcome to dwell throughout my week. I'm going to reflect on you and deal with you tomorrow. Love it. Yeah. It's, um, I love the way you've kind of like shared how you like process thing, but you also sort of like parking it as well. Um, or being able to kind of like not get too caught up in it. Uh, sorry. Appreciate that. Robo. Um, yeah, Robo, just to kind of sort of like round off today, uh, really appreciate everything that you shared your, you know, from your view as a teacher, how how you've kind of like observed obviously teenagers going going through and your own experience and I think that it's not just teaching I think this applies to most areas in life um so once again want to thank you for you know coming on today is there any any final points or point that you'd like to share uh just before we um before we round off today uh final point I'd say the 
coming back to the difference between the kids who, <laughs> between the ages of 11 and 16, they fly and reach their full potential or they don't. Whether that full potential is a grade nine or just a pass, whatever it might be. I think the difference is a fear of failure. Hmm. And I don't think we, you, you, you covered this in so many interesting different ways in your podcast. The, we learn this. <laughs> I, I went for a run earlier and my running route takes me past the play park and it inspires me every time because there are people at the top of a climbing frame who really shouldn't be there. You're two foot tall and you're 15 foot up in the air. It doesn't take a mathematician or someone who's expert at physics to tell you what could go wrong in that moment. Yet the kid is fearless because fear is something we learn. It's only once that kid has fallen and really hurt themselves, <laughs> that's when they stop climbing. And I think that's a great metaphor for, for life. There are too many adults out there who are scared of the climbing frame. Whatever that climbing frame might be for you, when you were little, you didn't, you weren't scared when you stood on your two feet for the first time and you weren't scared when you put one foot in front of the other I guarantee you fell over the first 50 times but you didn't stop you kept going somewhere along the way we've lost that and that's the difference between kids who make it between 11 and 16 and adults who make the best of themselves or adults that don't whatever we can do to acknowledge why why have I learned that fear what are the what are the things that are impacting on me that have created this I can't do this. I don't want to do this. What would it look like if I wasn't scared of the climbing frame? What would it look like if I just got up there again and went again? And I might fall, but I can go again. I can constantly go again as long as I don't have that fear. I think that's the most, that's, that's the thing I like to say to children about, you know, I've got a picture of my, my niece is 13 now. Got a picture of her when she was a lot younger and it is, wonderfully captured it's her on the brink of about to hit the deck and I have it on my school computer and I can show it at any point to young people because I remind them you might be 15 now and finding this difficult there was a time when you couldn't even walk where you had no fear to try you fell over loads of times we might fall over today because this bit of math is hard but we're going to keep getting up because that's what we do. That's how we keep moving forward in life. And I think that's the, that, that for me is the most powerful message I think that people can receive, whether they're teenagers, whether they're adults. I think that's the best thing. I love it. That's a great message to uh, end out on. Um, so thank you once again, Robbo, for coming on the show today. Absolute pleasure, Johnny. And thank you for all the energy that you put into just helping all the people who listen to your podcast out there i know you and i know what you put into this and i know it comes from a good place so well done you johnny oh thanks man um so that concludes our episode for today and remember you are in control of your own self-esteem and confidence <laughs>